hello and welcome to um, a bit of a different podcast to what I said I was going to do in uh, the intro to the morning floss. Um, so I said that I was going to uh, interview or do a podcast with Jack, which I have done. We've recorded. I'm just editing it and um, I'm going to listen through it and that should hopefully be out sometime soon but before that goes out i'm going to do a review a review on a book called 11 rings and i've i've got a lot to review so um i was originally just going to do interviews and podcasts with other people but then i thought um why don't i just do reviews because i i read a decent amount i watch a decent amount and i listen to a lot of music so i thought why not um, like I've just finished season one of Narco, Narcos, Narcos, um, and I'm probably gonna do a review on that. Um, I'm probably gonna review Batman Beyond, Scarface, Midnight in Paris, probably a few Kanye albums, MF Doom albums, um, and a few other things. But to get to this book, Eleven Rings. So Eleven Rings is uh about Phil Jackson. NBA coach who some of you may know coached the Lakers and Bulls notably um, and he won 11 rings as a coach it's interesting I don't know why they don't call it 13 rings because the book actually starts off with talking about his um, stint as a player at uh, with the Knicks and he won two rings with them so I don't know why it's not called 13 rings but most of the book does focus on his coaching um because he did have a relatively short playing career. Like, he played with the Knicks, and I don't know what happened after that. Uh, but, yeah, and then it gets into his coaching career. So he started coaching, I believe. He talks about him coaching in oh, somewhere in, like, uh, Southern America. But it's just, like, apparently it's just, like, crazy there. Like, the supporters were, like, you know, it was, like, actually dangerous for him to be a coach. Um, and then it gets into how he got into the Bulls, which is really cool. Um, so, so it kind of, it's mentioned in the last dance and the last dance is that Michael Jordan documentary and there's, you know, all those memes about it. Um, and so the Michael Jordan, the last dance covers this as well. Um, so Michael had... I don't know, it was a few coaches. It was like, uh, it might have been Doug Collins was one of them. But eventually, after a few coaches, uh, Phil came in to coach. And then basically, within a, a few years, he turned them around and got them to championship-level team. Um, it is interesting to mention, like, The Last Dance, uh, compared with this book, because... Well, the last dance is obviously solely about, um, well, Michael's whole Chicago Bulls stint. This book is like, it's kind of half and half with the Bulls and the Lakers. It's probably even more Bulls than Lakers, I'd say. Um, or it goes into more depth about the Bulls, I reckon. Um, and yeah, so Michael, in this book, I feel like he's portrayed in a better light. Then the last dance, like in the last dance, he kind of just seems like an asshole. 
like um there obviously is a bit of this in 11 rings because he was a bit of an ass but um there's a lot more about like explaining him as a person and um phil goes into a bit of detail about like uh i don't know how to explain like the way he did things and how he reacted to stuff and his mindset towards other people and it it delves more into the relationship between phil and michael which kind of we kind of got to see in the last dance i know they did interview him but i feel like there's just there's just better substance in this book um and there is a lot about basketball it's like uh obviously as much as is about um leadership and that like it's focused around basketball and i play basketball so reading this is real cool because there's there's a lot of stuff i didn't know about like the um so i'm a really big kobe fan from when i first started playing basketball um i always like watched so much on youtube about kobe um but i never really knew about like his uh career that much that well and that in depth and it's interesting because you kind of know about like i knew about his first the three feet and I knew about his second two, uh, or his, when he got two more rings against, um, they played the Celtics one of them, and I can't remember who it was for the other one. And then I kind of knew about the end of his career. But I don't really know about the part in between the three-peat and the um, back, backgrounds. And this kind of explained that a bit, which is really good. Um, yeah. I think, back to kind of Michael and the Bulls, I think it kind of portrays everyone in a better light than The Last Dance. Obviously, you can't portray, um, his name, Jerry Krause. Yeah, I feel like everyone just kind of doesn't like him. Um, and there's, like, Phil kind of talks about how he's just, like, he just didn't really like him. Um... I'm just reading up about it. Jerry Krauss. Just oh, it started raining. Hopefully that doesn't come up in the background. But, um... Yeah, Jerry Krauss it was. And, yeah, he just kind of sees how... He's a bit of a cock. And just like a... Yeah, I don't know. But he... Yeah, it's like everyone's... Scotty's portrayed a bit better than The Last Dance. Um... Those obviously, there's there's a lot about Dennis. There's a really good story about Dennis in it where um, Dennis was rehabbing. He was rehabbing an injury and uh, the Bulls management, they were like, oh, let's, let's send, so we'll get him to go do rehab and I think they sent him to <laughs> LA or something um, and they sent a one of the junior like uh physios with her or like um trainers uh to like kind of watch over him and then basically it just tells a story about so they were meant to go to la and stay there but then as soon as they get to la dennis makes this dude the trainer take him to like las vegas and they just go on like a fat bender which is just fucking hilarious and apparently they were real close after that and like um this dude is one of the only guys that scotty would like trust after that which is that was just a really cool story um it talks about role players a few times 
there's not too much about um, Steve Kerr. I think there's a bit about Steve Kerr. I think they talk about the punch. How Michael punched Steve Kerr in that practice. Yeah, there is. There is. I do remember it now. Um, and kind of like Michael's uh, Phil talking to Michael after that. Um, they talk about John Paxson a bit and how um, he hit that shot. Because um, it's interesting, through the three-peats, it kind of talks about how Michael begins to start to trust his other teammates and that how he can't just win championships by just doing it all. Um, it talks about the Pistons um, and how Michael needed to put a bit of weight on to uh, get past the Pistons. Um, it talks about what well, goes through all the championships and the way that uh, Phil Jackson talks about all the different championships and he goes into so much depth about like um, like different games, like every series of the playoffs. Even the season, he goes in depth. Like he says that um, uh, there's like stages to a season where it's like you start off on a high and then it gets to a low and then you build up to the playoffs. And then, um, he, yeah, he went into heaps of depth about just about every playoff series um, and every finals game. And uh, the way the depth he goes into them, that's so cool. And I think if you, if you like basketball, you really need to read this book. Um, I think it's relatively it's about 20 bucks 10 euros on the back it says um, if you know me personally and you're listening to this podcast and you want to read it just ask me and I'll give you this book um, but there's there's one thing he talks about um, there's a lot of stuff about leadership obviously because as a coach you are a leader and how he didn't lead with like uh, like with with fear and that he led letters like with compassion and as a friend which i because i want to kind of get into coaching um i already do coach a bit but i think i don't like like i've had a few coaches uh as a player who have just like you know yelled at me and that does get through to you but i'd rather be you know that's just not me um and he talks about like the different kind of things he does to get players to um like him and kind of trust him he does this thing so the when he was with the bulls i don't know if it was every year but they went on like road trips and um he was talking about one of the road trips he went on i think he might have done this in uh, for a few years he he would get every player a book so every uh, every player on the team would give them a book to read while they're on the road trip and obviously um, a lot of the players just aren't going to read a book like most of them didn't care but there were a few he said who um, did care like he gave BJ Armstrong Zen Mind Beginner's Mind which he mentions twice in this book and that's notable because I bought Zen Mind Beginner's Mind I have it in my hand right now because I was reading 11 minutes we were on the way back from Wellington was in the car reading the book and he uh he basically just mentions this book and how it's uh really good for anyone who wants to get into zen so i was like yeah fuck it i'll just buy it um and i was doing a bit of research about this book and i'm reading it now and basically um zen might begin his mind is about uh 
a Zen teacher called Shunru Suzuki, who he was like one of the first people to introduce America to Zen. And um, yeah, so that's a really good book. I've been barely into it, but I really want to get into the Zen stuff. And there's a lot of that Zen stuff in this book, which is really cool. Um, uh, And uh, a lot of, so Zen Mind, Beginner's Mind, Phil Jackson talks about using a beginner's mind a lot and a beginner's mind is like it's like you're always learning there's always there's no ego and you're always like when you're doing something you're like you recognize that you still have stuff to learn and I think that that's a mindset that I like to use and I've always kind of had where even if you're really good at playing basketball you can still learn more and like players like Michael Jordan Kobe Steph nowadays, they can always, even though they're so good, they can still perfect their craft and learn. And I think ego is a really important part about basketball, playing basketball and coaching basketball and training for basketball. Like if you have a player who's got a big ego and they don't have a beginner's mind and you're like, well, some players, you know, the coach will be like, do this. And they're like, nah, I'm too good for that, you know. Um, and they'll just kind of not listen to the coach because he's like, I know better than you, which often isn't true because coaches are really smart. Um, but I've, some, sometimes coaches are wrong. Um, another thing in uh, Phil Jackson's book, he mentions a meditation tip. And now I've been, I, a few years ago, I tried to get into meditation it didn't really work, but now I'm really getting into it and really, uh, really enjoying it because of Zen Mind of Guinness Mind. But Eleven Rings got me into it, and one thing that Phil Jackson said is he gave me a, uh, he writes a tip, a tip for um, um, meditation and kind of extending that to life. It's that so when when you like first start meditation, there's a cue and it's. Uh, clear your mind and I always used to get like really really frustrated because um uh I think I used to have a guided meditation app it was like a mindfulness app and it would be like clear your mind and I would just have so many thoughts racing in my head and I couldn't clear my mind and I just got like really frustrated and um the way Phil Jackson says it is you acknowledge the thoughts that come into your head and then you just let them go so it's not just like um trying to trying frantically to get these thoughts out of your head because then you're like panicking you just acknowledge the thoughts as they come in and then they go away which I was, I've found has really helped me um, yeah so that's that's it about Zen um, it delves a lot into obviously Kobe's career and his relationship between like uh, the Shaq and Kobe relationship when they were uh, on the Lakers together which is interesting to um, see, like, Phil Jackson's perspective and how he talks about it. Basically, my my takeaway from this is, like, Shaq, he's just kind of like a child. Um, and I don't mean that in an insulting way. He's obviously not physically either. Like, he's fucking big man he's what seven foot one or two and like 300 pounds probably more um 
but like just the way his mindset was towards a lot of things like he always just wanted to like have fun which is like the complete opposite to Kobe uh, and Phil touched on that a lot like oftentimes Shaq is just trying to have fun all the time and there's like um, I was watching an interview with him I was reading something about him that Shaq would like he was talking specifically about Alan Iverson and I think um, he he said he did this to other players where like if Alan Iverson came came at him at the rim like Shaq would sometimes just kind of like let him score because he said he was he was just like in such awe of Alan Iverson and he's like I'm just going to let him score because he looks cool and I think that's that's like I find myself like in the middle of a game I'll be playing against him and I'm like fuck that was sick or like how the fuck did he do that or like you know that type of thing and it's that's interesting because obviously he was so dominant and obviously he did block quite a few people and I think in this interview I was watching he talked about he said that uh, he would have done that with Steph nowadays like if he was playing against Steph he probably would have just like let Steph score um, obviously not like really obvious uh, really not just like give them an open mind but you know not try that hard to block them um there's one player that goes there's a few players actually that go between uh we're on the bulls and the lakers can't remember most of them but mainly was ron harper i think it's interesting speaks to um phil jackson and his loyalty i think he brought a few coaches over with him as well but it's like if he knows that Ron Harper is a good defender um, and, you know, like a good glue guy and he's going to have the qualities he wants, why not bring him to this new team and convince management um, to, like, let uh, Ron Harper come to the team? And there was a few other players, I can't really remember the names, but he just seems like he's... Um, I think it's important to be loyal, very important. You know, it's just like just being genuine and honest uh to be loyal um towards the end of the book it goes it talks about his career and how it ends with the lakers um coming after what season i think it was around it was after they try to sign dwight howard or try to re-sign dwight howard because they tried um dwight basically wanted to leave and the uh, the lakers wanted him to stay um, and then there was whole thing with Dr. Jerry Buss. He was in hospital or something. And so um, it kind of like, I think that re-signing fell through and then he went to the Rockets. There's, uh, it goes into quite a bit of detail about the uh, the Buss family who own the Lakers, which I think is quite interesting. And I don't really know too much about them. Um, <laughs> the funniest thing is um, I didn't realize. So Dr. Jerry Buss was is the father then there was Jeannie Bus and the son uh, I can't remember what his name is but like um I find it out but basically what I didn't know is that um Jeannie and Phil had a relationship like which I just found like really hilarious um what's it? children Jim Bus. Yeah, Jim Buss, I think, was the other kind of, like, owner with Janie, and I think Jim and Janie went a bit, like, not back-to-back, but, like, yeah, 
so Jeannie must have taken over after Jerry passed away, unfortunately, and then Jeannie had to fire her brother. I'm just reading this now, which is like, yeah, there's a bit of tension between that, but yeah, fucking Phil Jackson, like, the first, um, I think he said when he first met with Jerry and he met Jeannie at the same time and they basically just like started dating straight away. Just hilarious because um, this is after Phil broke up with his uh, wife. Yeah, so after his career ended, he was like offered a few jobs. Um, at one point, I think at the very end, he goes to the next this book because it was, um, I think it's published in 2014. The book finishes with him actually at the next. But before that, there's this really interesting story. So he was approached by this dude who was trying to get a bunch of investors to buy the Sacramento Kings and then turn them into the Sonics. I had I had no idea about this. Um, and... I think it was a great idea, and I was I was just listening to a video, um, watching a video by this um, YouTube uh, basketball guy called Motown Noah, and he did a video about eight months ago about the um, Marvin Bagley situation in Sacramento, and he basically just touched on that you know like the 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 Kings aren't really that popular, like. Uh, they used to have the best Instagram and social media team, but I think, I don't know, the NBA probably told them off of that because it was like, you know, they would like make memes and roast the other teams, but now they're kind of like died down. So there's, there's they traded away um, Tyrese Halliburton, you know, like what are we going to lose if the Sonic? I feel like a lot more people would be happy if the Sonics come back, although... I don't know, it'd probably wear off. The novelty would probably wear off pretty quick. And I don't know how it would work with the, um, the whole history of the Thunder. Because, like, <laughs> take this to 2K. So, when you go into, like, the Oklahoma City Thunder all-time teams, that, you know, Sean Kemp and Gary Payton show up. Because the history of that team, you know, um, before the Thunder were the Thunder, they were the Sonics. So, I don't know how that would... I, I, I don't know how that would work. Is that would that work logistically? But obviously, it didn't. Uh, that didn't turn out. Another other thing. So I think there was like a lockout at some point that um, Phil Jackson talked about. It was a lockout when LeBron was in Miami, I think, and the uh, uh, the Players Association negotiated negotiated with the league basically. Um, to give the players more freedom around free agency. And Phil Jackson basically predicts the NBA nowadays. He said that you're not going to be able to... Like, players aren't going to stay on teams for long periods of time. Like, you know, um, even though there was a lot of anomalies, like Michael Jordan's an anomaly. He was, what, 13 seasons with the Bulls. Um, Kobe, 20 seasons with the Lakers. Tim Duncan, Dirk. Steph, Clay, and Draymond now. Um, like, that's an exception now. Uh, and there's... I don't think there's any other, like... Can't really point to, like, I don't know, Giannis. Um, even Jokic for those rumors, but Giannis even, I think. They wanted... Back in a few years ago before he got those MVPs, I was like, Giannis needs to go to a better team. 
which obviously, uh, you know, look how that's turned out for them. He definitely should have stayed. Um, but, like, he talks about how, you know, most players are just going to, like, hop from team to team. And we see that nowadays. And I think the funniest example of it is, like, the Nets, Lakers, and Sixers are just passing the... Uh, so, I don't want to call them washed big men, but, like, past their prime big men. So, like, DeAndre Jordan's played for the Nets, Lakers, and Sixers within a span of three seasons. Same with... Did I say DeAndre Jordan? I think I did. And then Andre Jarmond, um, Dwight Howard's played. He hasn't played for the Nets, but he played for the Sixers and the Lakers. Um, DeAndre Jordan, I don't know if he was at the... I think he's at the Sixers now. I don't know, like, I don't know what players are on what teams now. It's so confusing to me, like, um, even a few years ago, um, players weren't hopping around as much, but now it's just like, nowadays in the NBA, it's you have, let's take the Nets, Nets is a good example, before, uh, post the trade, so they have Kyrie, KD, and Ben Simmons are soon to fit into that, but they're kind of just like, taking different players who are really plug-and-play, and, like, Seth Curry is the best example is, um, and that Ben Simmons trade, you bring Seth Curry over, and if Kyrie's not having a good game or Katie's out, he can step in and give them some scoring boost. He's a great shooter. He's going to space the floor, and that's what it is nowadays. Like, especially if you have a, a player like Ben Simmons or Giannis or those... Uh, kind of the best examples of like um a player who's going to have the offense run around them but they're not amazing shooters so you got to have spaces and that's what they do nowadays is you got like you bring joe harrison he's going to space uh patty mills steph curry katie and Kyrie, all um above average shooters and around ben simmons that's probably going to work Giannis, you've got um, Chris Middleton's is obviously a great shooter. Grayson Allen's coming up as a great shooter. You've got even Bobby Portis. I don't know if is calling Bobby Portis great. No, he's not a great shooter, but he can stretch the floor a bit. Brook Lopez. Brook Lopez is like a really uh, he's one of the best big men shooters. And so yeah, Phil Jackson just touches on how the league's just going to be like that. In 2014, he said that, and look what's happened now. I mean, it's probably not that hard to predict um, that players, when they get more freedom and choice around free agency, they're going to move around more. But yeah, um, what else is there? There's so that's about it with this book. Like, um, if you you know, I, I just really recommend this book. It's so good to read. Um, it touches into Zen a lot, and um, at the start, which I forgot to mention, it talks about Phil Jackson's um, upbringing with his parents being um, Catholic or Christian, uh, you know, what are they called? I don't know. But, you know, that he was expected to be a, um, a minister or whatever, and um, he didn't, and he was a bit of like a... He didn't really go off the rails, but I think him, and I think he had a brother, they kind of like, you know, 
deviated away from what their parents wanted them to do. Um, but like, it's just, there's a lot in this book and a lot to learn. And if you're someone, like, if you have any interest in basketball, read this, because you're going to find some interesting stories out. Like, as I touched on, there's that really interesting story about Dennis and the trainer. There's, like, heaps of little gems like that, which you get. Um, he talks about Ron Artest a lot, Derek Fisher, and all those guys. Um, a lot, he, he does touch on, like, the players who he, he liked to coach and how they were, like, good or uh, in what ways they were good and, you know, it highlights those players who, you, you know, you might have heard of Derek Fisher here and there, but you don't really, uh, you've probably never really known about him and it, you know, delves into those players and it gives you a better, better outlook on them. Um, it, I mean, even if you're not into basketball, if you want to do anything to do with leadership, I'd read this because it... Um, He's just, Phil Jackson's just an amazing leader and talks about how to be a good leader. Um, even if you don't like any of that, I'll still read it because it's just a great book. So, um, yeah. Thanks for listening to this book review. Um, I don't know what I'm going to review next. Maybe Narcos or Batman Beyond or Scarface. Or some music. I don't know. Uh, stay tuned. Actually, what I'll probably release next, if it's not another review, is the podcast with Jack. Um, so, yeah. Thanks.